1: Hey everyone, Leonard Kim here and welcome to another episode of Grow Your Influence Tree. Today we have Kenny Klein on the line with us today and he's a serial entrepreneur in digital technology and fashion. Uh, he's a co-founder of several online brands, um, one of them is called Barband and he's also the managing partner over at a company called Jack Media and he's done a lot of interesting things in his life but then I don't really want to take away the steam of letting Kenny introduce himself so um, Kenny, why don't you take a moment to kind of introduce Introduce yourself to the, our listeners. Yeah, thanks, Leonard. Glad to be on. I'm uh,
2: calling in from Brooklyn, New York. So my, my company is based out of there. And uh, we run a few different online brands uh, targeting what we call passion audiences. So, Barbend is one where we're targeting the really passionate weightlifter or strength athlete. We also run one of the biggest mattress review sites on the web, as well as uh, a website focused on home security and smart home gadgets and products and information. Um, so when I say we want to run these brands, we're really targeting uh, people through a variety of channels, whether it's on our website, whether it's on YouTube, whether it's our email list or Instagram or other channels. Uh, we kind of like to meet audiences where they are and strategically grow our brands um, that way. We're slow and methodical, but we also have, over the last five years with this company, um, experienced pretty good growth in each of these really specific channels. Um, so in terms of my experience relevant to your show, that's um, what we do every day, all day, and are always looking for opportunities to, to grow that exposure.
1: Cool. Um, so you're a digital agency owner and you're working with a lot of these brands like this. How did you kind of come across the industry and how did you kind of fall into, uh, getting into marketing and everything? Um, was there like a calling, a pivotal moment in your life or what kind of brought you to mark, uh, to doing this type of stuff?
2: Yeah, it was kind of actually just out of boredom initially. I don't think I ever planned to be an entrepreneur and, uh, I was a physicist undergrad and ended up kind of doing um, a lot of programming at a bank in the early days. And uh, this was before they really knew what to do with someone who did a lot of programming and uh, math work at a bank. So I kind of, the funny story is I walked into this group uh, at my first job and they gave me this project uh, and I coded it up and it was kind of this algorithm that I needed to make and I made it. gave it to my boss two weeks later and he said uh, uh, well that was your project for the year and so I was like oh well I have nothing to do for the next 50 weeks and so I sat there and I just uh, programmed other stuff and uh, I made an app um, with my sister who was a who was a dietitian and there's only 2,500 dietitians that get certified every year so a really really mm-hmm. small group of you know professionals and she happened to be one of them so she's like why don't you make a an app to help me study um, for this test. I said, great. So I made like a, a basic app um, when, you know, when apps were still a, kind of a new thing uh, for smartphones, um, made for dietitians, uh, like flashcards and practice tests and that type of thing. And and though it was a small audience, um, the first year, 80% of the dietitians used my app because it was kind of the only one out there. Um, And so it ended up being a pretty good business, even though it was a really small audience. Uh, So once I landed on that, I was like, all right, this is a pretty cool business model I stumbled onto and um, ended up expanding that company into 30 other uh, groups similar to um, dietitians in size and often in the medical field, like targeting these really specific certification exams. Uh, via apps to help them study, and ended up being a pretty good business. Um, on the programming side, not much changed from app to app, but the marketing side changed, and that's where I really got my start in marketing. And how do I get in front of these really small audiences and engage them and be kind of a, a leader in their small niche world?
1: Well, that's pretty interesting. I know a lot of marketers, what they do is um, most of them do kind of like that technical background of going out there and developing apps, um, speaking programming languages and things like that. Uh, So, you kind of led with those skills first before you kind of moved into marketing all the different products that you were kind of creating. Uh, Did you find it difficult at the beginning when you were kind of learning and figuring out how to market? Did it kind of come naturally to you or what was that like?
2: Yeah, it's very difficult. I mean, I think it's it's a fun field because uh, there are so many tools and so many different avenues and there's... There's no place to go. I don't think that just teaches you everything you need to know. So so it's always a journey. And to this day, I'm always learning new things and testing and failing and figuring out what works along the way. Um, but in the early days, you know, this is 2008, 2009, 2010. There, there wasn't as many things out there as there are now to learn from. There weren't many online courses. Um, even a lot of the stuff that, you know, like how to build a funnel or how to do ads in a certain way or how to make an image even. Um, you know, there are a lot of great tools out there now that you can learn pretty quickly. But just like taking payments on my website took me like four months to code back then. And I'm not, mm. you know, the best programmer in the world. But, you know, these days, taking payments uh, on your website, you know, it's a second or you just sign up for Shopify and it's already done for you, essentially. Um, so there was a lot of, frustration but I didn't even know how difficult it was relative to what the future would hold for me um and for everybody uh going forward so you know it's and and I expect now that 10 years from now everything will be everything that's tough now will probably be a lot easier um and there'll be new challenges along the way so uh there's always it's always an uphill battle but I think that's part of the fun in marketing is that you can't just do one thing and stay the same and expect it to, to work forever. You have to always evolve and grow and uh, and meet your audience in the places where they where they are.
1: Yeah, that's especially true. And there's really no cookie-cutter formula for really going out there and marketing one thing to the next, which I think even the most experienced... Um, <clears throat> <clears throat> and the most experienced marketers kind of get frustrated about. Um, have you seen any, like, things that you've done over the last decade that really stand out and have uh, had more success than other things you've done?
2: Yeah, we like to really divide, like, our channels in the way that uh, is, is a little unique and those that, like, are working now and those that are always going to work. Um, and kind of how we allocate our time and our dollars and our resources to go after those. Um, so, for example, like Google is and SEO is has been a traditionally great channel and remains a great channel if, if you're successful with it. Doesn't mean the same tactics necessarily work that 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 worked ten years ago, but getting traffic from Google remains a great opportunity. Um, getting traffic from YouTube, I think, is one of my favorite opportunities um, currently to pursue. And the last. You know five, ten years has been great to pursue as well. Uh, you compare that to something like Facebook, where you know five years ago growing a Facebook page, you could generate huge amounts of traffic and interest from it. These days, um, at least I don't have much success with that and I hear that from a lot of other marketers as well that to get organic reach with Facebook pages is really, really difficult. Um, looking at something like Instagram, where it's every year it becomes a little bit tougher, a little bit less exposure compared to. Than before, So it's still a good channel for us now, but five years from now, you know, we're not betting the house on it. So I think that um, in terms of how we approach our strategy, it's really about what do we invest in that we can capitalize on right now? and What do we capitalize on a little uh, long term strategy?
1: So kind of what you mentioned with like uh, a lot of social media platforms like Facebook getting less and less organic reach and campaigns being less successful. I know in the marketing world in general, a lot of companies have been like heavily focusing more and more on creating social media content. Do you think that might not be the right play for a lot of companies? Uh, It's it's getting more and more
2: difficult to stand out on social media, so I don't think there's you know, like we said, there's not a one-size-fits-all thing. I won't broadly say that for, for all companies, but but it's really difficult to compete. And, you know, particularly with Facebook, um, they're always kind of changing what they prioritize. And, and, and so um, if you go all in, you know, last year, you know, 18 months ago, they said, oh, live is what Facebook is all about. Um, and then video and this and that, a lot of companies went all in and really tried to create that content. And then Facebook shifted away from it. And, um, so a lot of their investment really didn't pay off as, as far as I heard. And and we, we did a little bit of it and, and, um, fortunately didn't pursue it too hard, uh, and, and get caught in that. But I think that, that social media is difficult. You have to be really savvy and lean if you're going to depend on that as your primary driver of traffic. Not to say there's not great opportunity there, but it's also the opportunity window is much more, uh, much shorter than, than with other platforms, I think.
1: So considering that social media isn't really performing as well as a lot of uh, marketers kind of intended it to or the results are kind of diminishing, uh, where do you think have been the most profitable areas for you and and the business models that you've been promoting?
2: Yeah, what we are focusing on now and and we're confident are going to be really good channels over the next five years, let's say, are uh, SEO, uh, YouTube, email, and uh, podcasts. And so we're not saying that um, social media doesn't uh, have opportunities, especially right now, but, you know, we have, uh, Barbent has a pretty active Instagram, and we do spend some time growing that, but we use it primarily to drive traffic to our new YouTube videos or our email list or our new podcast launch things like that. So we think of it as a tool to grow the channels that we're really, really prioritizing long term. And we don't view the Instagram profile, even though it's performing well now, as something we're going to have to depend on uh, over the next five years, let's say.
1: So kind of more of the legacy ways to create content, like writing articles, um, doing videos and stuff. Um, having audio are kind of the primary things that you've been seeing or leading the most traffic into businesses and converting the most into customers?
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: And and they're all,
2: you know, I say YouTube because it's, yeah, it's generally video, but it's a great way to build an audience uh, with video as well. Um, so those those channels we think are going to keep performing very well and are right now performing great for our businesses.
1: Cool. So, out of curiosity, like for me, when I think about like podcasts and radio shows and things like that, I'm assuming most people are sitting behind the car driving when they're kind of consuming that type of content. Um, how actionable is it really for someone to listen to maybe a podcast on a particular topic and then go and take action based off what they were listening to? And um, how's that kind of tracked?
2: Yeah, I mean audio. There's podcasts, and there's also you know the Amazon Alexa and the Google Home and all that type of stuff, audio version as well. Um, It seems that people are getting more and more exposure through audio. But you're right; it doesn't mean that they're sitting there with their phone or with their computer ready to buy something. Um, But you know the reason that we like it is brands clearly um, are seeing rewards. Um, by advertising on podcasts. It's a great platform. And so in terms of uh, the primary way we monetize those is through sponsorship. And uh, brands are really, really excited about podcasts now. And um, they whatever their um, goals are and however they're tracking it, they seem to be very happy with the results right now. And you're absolutely right. Some people won't go and click through, but maybe they just become aware of a brand or, you know, they hear it on this podcast or on multiple episodes and, and then they see another ad for it, or then they go to the store, or they, they just kind of um, have that brand top of mind in a in a form of content that is engaging to them, and and ultimately ultimately it leads to a purchase or engagement with uh, with the sponsoring brand um, that the that the sponsoring brand in our case has been happy with.
1: Cool. So basically, it's just another touch point where the person's being able to kind of get themselves familiarized with the brand and potentially take action at a future point. Right, exactly. Cool. Sounds good. Well, um, it's about time for us to hop off to a commercial break. If people want to find you online, Kenny, where could they find you?
2: Uh, The best place you can go to our website is jack.media, J-A-K-K dot media. And on Twitter, I'm at thisbekenny dot uh, is my handle
1: cool perfect and you can find me at Mr. Leonard Kim and we'll be back after this commercial break
0: be sure to friend us on Facebook you can do it right now visit facebook.com forward slash voice america or search for us at keyword voice america it will be the best hour of your week. Do you feel you have a bigger life's purpose than you're currently living? Of course you do. Activate your passion as you tune in to Sovereign Self with host Sofia Renea Morales. Become the conscious creator of your own life. Connect with your most powerful and purposeful self in order to make big things happen for you now. Sofia and her guests are doing this every day and are sharing how you can step into this power too. Listen to Sovereign Self every Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Influencers Channel.
1: We don't follow, we lead. Join us. The Voice America Influencers Channel.
0: This is Grow Your Influence Tree. To reach Leonard Kim or his guest, call into the program at 1 866 472 5795. That's 1 866 472 5795. Or drop a line by email to hello at leonardkim.com. Now, back to Grow Your Influence Tree.
1: Hey, everyone. Leonard Kim here, back with Kenny Klein, and welcome back to Grow Your Influence Tree. We've been talking a lot about digital marketing and how it could go out there and really help you leverage your efforts. Some. and We've been talking about a lot of the experience that Kenny's had from kind of moving from a programming and technical background and kind of diving deep into marketing and really getting a lot of great results with a lot of the companies that he's worked with and building up the digital agency he has. Um, right before a commercial break, one of the things that Kenny really mentioned or the top drivers to really go out there and drive uh, traffic into businesses and things like that is really um, a lot of writing and creating blog type content and uh, also touches on uh, YouTube and how to really go out there and build a community. Uh, maybe we could start with writing before we kind of move into getting into YouTube. Um, why do you see think that blog content really is going out there and driving a lot of traffic for these businesses and converting?
2: Yeah, well, we spend a lot of time doing that. And you know, blogs, though, they may be the thing that's been around a long time and, and the not exciting Part of marketing, it's still very effective. Um, That doesn't mean you every day do it super casually. Uh, We're very intentional about the content that we write and how we write it and how we deliver it to our audience. But uh, we still it still remains very very effective um, for communicating our message and getting in front of the audience uh, that you want to get in front of. Uh, Our primary target when we're writing content is Google and showing up in the Google search results. So we spend a lot of time looking at keywords, uh, seeing what people are looking for, what their search intent is, and writing articles that really provide them with a lot of value uh, in response to what they're searching for.
1: So assuming that you're kind of like a small company, and assuming that a lot of large companies, what they're kind of doing is following the same types of things that you're doing, where they probably have a team of data scientists looking over keywords, doing a lot of research, figuring out what things that they want to kind of rank for, and you have some... uh, probably teams of people who go out there and create a lot of content. um, I mean, content marketing has kind of been around for an extremely long time, and a lot of companies are heavily investing into these resources. What what kind of gives the opportunity for someone who's like new on the blog to really go out there and really become successful with um, creating blog-type content?
2: Yeah, I think the advantage is really twofold. One is uh, quality that they can create, and two is the keyword research that they're doing. Um, so, starting with keyword research, so yes, there are many, many people going out there and creating content, and in certain niches, it will be impossible for us or for a small player or even a new large player to compete, uh, particularly if it's a, an area that's really monetized already. So, if you're looking at you know the best credit cards of 2019, you know, there's going to be um, hundreds of thousands of people that have written that article probably and some of the biggest brands and most talented content marketers are going after that term. Um, so if you're just a new blogger and you, want, and you have a good insight into credit cards, even if you write the best article on that, you're probably not going to get a lot of exposure to it just because of the level of competition. But if you do your keyword research right and you're in a, a niche or targeting an audience that's a little less competitive there's still lots and lots of keywords out there that people are looking for answers to that there really isn't a great article about. Um, I'll give you an example. I've been looking at the uh, kind of house plant niche. Uh, and I don't have a site here, but I've just kind of been looking around and, and, and think this is a pretty cool area. And there are so many people looking for how to care for their plant, how to propagate it, how to... Um, care for it when it's uh, in this climate or in this climate. You know, a lot of specific questions and interest around houseplants that sometimes there's often a article, but maybe not a specific article, maybe, maybe not a comprehensive article. Um, maybe it's 300 words when it could be 3,000 words with pictures and a personal experience and that type of thing. Um, so that's just one example that, that I've recently looked at that uh, demonstrates there's still a lot of opportunity for you to go out there and find content that um, content areas that people need answers to that, that you can write about.
1: And then when you're kind of creating this content, like I, I know a lot of content that I personally consume online. Um, and, and some of it's uh, good. Um, most of it's like average, but not really a lot of it kind of strikes a chord where I'm like wow this is absolutely amazing um how how do you people kind of go about to kind of get that wow this is amazing feeling kind of from that content that they're creating
2: yeah I think a lot of it is just being an expert and that doesn't mean you're an expert day one um I'm not a houseplant expert but if I bought a bunch of plants and started caring for them and then you know talked about my journey and wrote a blog post and took pictures and and crafted it, and had some, or, you know, had someone edit it, and then publish that, and then solicit feedback from my readers, and then tweak it based on that feedback. Um, you know, that's a lot of work. I just described, but it's also it would create a, a great piece of content. So, I think, um, I think that's kind of the the challenge is that you, you don't just sit down and spend an hour and make it, an incredible piece of content that everyone's going to love. You have to really invest time, and energy uh, into creating that content. Even after it's created, you go back, you tweak it, and you make it better, and you make it reflect what your audience wants uh, even more. So we spend as much time on on our websites creating new content as we do go back and, and edit old content to make it even better.
1: So a lot of it would be kind of like diving deep into the topic kind of getting a full immersive experience out of exactly what you're writing about and then sharing that full immersive experience with others to kind of really get them to relate to what you're saying and deliver a much better experience than maybe just writing 1,000 words from the top of your head in like maybe a few hours that may or may not stick.
2: Right, exactly, and
1: there are ways cool. to
2: really analyze how engaged your audience is. Where you should be looking at analytics and saying, how long is the average person staying on this page? And if they're staying on there for twenty seconds, then you say, well, whatever they're seeing at the beginning, they don't like. They're not. They're not interested in reading the rest of this article. Um, hmm. So, taking all those data points and revisiting, you know, even if you have the right information in this post, it doesn't mean that you structured it in the right way to get people excited to read it. Um so it's really just about investing in that quality over time and and uh creating content the the actual content and then structuring it in the right way that people uh enjoy reading it
1: cool so it's kind of uh, good that there's opportunity, especially with written content, to kind of go back and repolish it up, especially as uh, you have different findings with analytics and everything and- I see how that could really drive to long-term results. Um, The other thing that you kind of mentioned is going out there and doing things on YouTube. I I know that um, a lot of people overlook YouTube, especially since they might consider that it's really like an older platform as opposed to the new sexier things that kind of come out like Instagram stories and things like that. But also, at the same time, um, people usually look at YouTube as a place where, like, um, influencers kind of hang out, and they share, like, their dramas and their makeup tutorials and things like that. Um, oh, what What makes YouTube so appealing and so successful for someone who's going out there and creating content?
2: Yeah, it's a fantastic platform. I'll say, if I were starting from scratch today, I would start with a YouTube channel, certainly. Um because twofold, one, it's a great platform where you can really build an audience and they get to know you and your brand and, and that type of thing. But but also, there's a lot of untapped opportunity there where, it's like you said, there's a lot of content marketers who have been writing content for years. And people have been making YouTube videos for years, but not at the same level. So there's still huge pockets of opportunity um, to really grow an audience on YouTube at a lower competition level than Writing. So, if you consist, if you approach YouTube strategically in the right way, it's, in my opinion, a really guaranteed uh, success at this point in time.
1: Oh, huh. so, uh, so it's because a lot of people are kind of overlooking YouTube that it kind of makes it the better platform to be on.
2: Yeah, a lot of people are overlooking it, and you know, making videos takes a lot of effort and you have to put yourself out there personally often to start the channel. Um, And it requires a lot of consistency. So I'm not saying it's necessarily easy to have success on YouTube, but if you approach it strategically and consistency over a period of time, you're guaranteed to have a, a level of success. And the better that you do it, the more success that you'll have.
1: So, kind of like what you mentioned with one, the learning curve, two, the uh, ability to kind of uh, gather up the courage to like being on camera and all this other stuff that you kind of have to do to really make a YouTube channel successful, Um, what, I mean... A lot of people kind of feel this internal struggle or they might not actually want to go out there and put their uh, put themselves out there to really kind of go and do these things are there any pointers for these types of people to really go out there and make a great YouTube channel yeah well
2: there are some channels you can do um, without being on camera but those are you know harder to to figure out I think and part of the charm of YouTube is that people love seeing people that they know and they continue engaging with and it's kind of like building a relationship with, with your audience, and often you have to be on camera to do that. Um, so, I always recommend to people go on camera yourself, and even if you're not comfortable initially, it's, it's about becoming comfortable. You know, that entrepreneurship and being an influencer, is, is, you're going to have to develop a level of comfort with engaging with your audience. It's just the nature of it. And so, um, you don't, and the thing about YouTube too is it doesn't mean you have to have the best video. Ever created with your first one, you can make, you know, keep getting better and better each day, and over time, that will accumulate. Uh, if you look at most channels, you look to the first, you know, you can you can see one where they have millions of followers. If you go and look at their first video, or even the first year of their videos, um, they're usually pretty uh, basic with them, with a phone, and not well scripted, and maybe even awkward and uncomfortable. And um, but it's really about taking action and and trying to be better over time. And, and that's what makes YouTube kind of fun too.
1: Do you think if someone's going out there and they're creating video content and <clears throat> they're kind of stumbling over themselves and it's not really that perfect shot the first few times around that their audience would kind of hold it against them?
2: No, definitely not. I mean, YouTube is a, a very accepting place. And um, the thing about YouTube as well is, is it's typically just a few Successful videos that really build your audience. So, when I say go out and post consistently, you want to do that just to give yourself a great opportunity at um, having success. So it's like I'm going to post every week, or I'm going to post twice a week, or that type of thing. It doesn't, especially at the beginning, it doesn't mean that every video is going to be successful. But kind of with my channels, um, one out of every 10, one out of every twenty or so videos at the beginning of a channel ends up being you know, pretty successful, it just hits the YouTube algorithm in the right way where it ranks for a keyword or it ends up as a suggested video or someone else finds it and links to it or mentions it or that type of thing. Um, so most people at the beginning, you know, they're you're not not—they're not going to dial in and watch every single video, especially if you don't have an audience yet. But as you make those videos that resonate, then um, that's what builds your audience. And that's what's useful about YouTube too. It's like, all right, I made... Twenty videos and this one was successful well why was this successful was it the topic did I do something different in the presentation was it a short video a long video you know what what really resonated about this and then for the next 20 you try to do more videos like that and maybe two out of 20 are successful out of the next 20 Um, and you keep building and building um, your audience and also your your skill level and your strategy over time
1: Cool. So um, basically you're kind of putting in this continuous improvement model where you're kind of taking the same philosophies of going out there and creating better content uh, in the written way, but you're using that towards video principles to really go out there and maximize the type of videos that you have. Right, exactly. So uh, there's been a lot of debate online where people say you should make short 15 second videos or one minute videos and other people feel that it's necessary to go out there and make like long form content where content's like 30 minutes to an hour long. Is there like a sweet spot in regards to like how long a video should be and are there any ways to kind of optimize that process?
2: Yeah, there. I would say there's always a sweet spot, but it's not consistent in my mind, especially when you're talking about going across platforms. So if you make the same video and post it on Facebook and YouTube and Instagram and all these places, it'll generally perform very differently on each one. Hmm. Uh, like I said, we focus the most on YouTube. And even with YouTube, it depends on your, your strategy of where you want your videos to be seen. Um, so if you're trying to like rank for a key, you know, YouTube is actually a big search engine, so people can type in keywords and like Google, there's, uh, there's video results in YouTube. So if you want to rank for that type of thing, um, generally a longer video performs well in my experience and what long means varies from market to market. So we usually start with making like a 10 minute video and making it as engaging as possible, but in some of my markets, we shorten that down over time to be more like six minutes, and some of my markets, we've extended to be 15, 20 minutes, Um, and it's just really about seeing what your audience responds to and how long they'll stay with you in your video. Um, If you want to go kind of more viral and show up in uh, what YouTube is called, like, suggested videos, where if you go to the right and it's like, hey, here's some other good videos, you might like um, those. Sometimes you can hit with with shorter videos, and it's more about engagement and getting people to like your video and comment and that type of thing. Uh, so for those, we'll generally try to make them shorter and much more engaging. Um, so think two, three, four minutes, um, if we're targeting a video that's going to be um, discovered that way. So cool. it all comes down to strategy and how you think you you can really leverage. YouTube um, with the type of content you're creating. It doesn't have to be consistent with every video you do, but you should in your mind have an idea of where people might find this content on YouTube and optimize for
1: that. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I I know that um, from your standpoint and from the standpoint of a lot of people who really want to get into this marketing world, that uh, these blog content and uh, this YouTube content is probably the primary focus of where people should kind of focus their attention Um, is this something that your agency helps create things for people? Um, does your agency work with people who kind of need help with things like that? Or uh, do you teach or do anything in regards to helping people kind of do this?
2: Uh, unfortunately I'm no help to anyone else. I'm just, (laughs) we do it for our own brands. Um, and, but, uh, but there are some great general courses out there. Um, and I think the best practice is just to go out and do it yourself. Um, and start learning that way. So, um, you know, the, the basic courses will show you how to edit and upload and some ideas behind it, um, and those are really, really valuable. But the more that you practice yourself and see what resonates with the audience you're targeting, you're going to quickly know over time. As long as you commit to consistent action and to reflecting on that action and learning and growing based on it, then um, you're going to – develop skills, particularly with YouTube, very quickly, I think.
1: Awesome. And so uh, I wanted to thank you so much for kind of taking the moment to really just share a lot of your marketing insights with us, especially with uh, content marketing and blog content and really how to really go out there and uh, channel that YouTube channel to really drive success. Um, Where can people find you again, Kenny, in case they want to follow you or connect with you or work with one of your businesses?
2: Yeah, if you want to see how we do things, you can go uh, to an overview of our brands at our website, jack.media. That's J-A-K-K.media. And on Twitter, I'm Visby Kenney.
1: Perfect. And you can always find me at Mr. Leonard Kim on Twitter and Ditch the Act is about to come out in October. So visit ditchtheact.com to learn more about my upcoming book. And thank you so much for everyone for tuning into another episode of Grow Your Influence Tree and we'll see y'all next week.
0: Thank you for making us part of your week. Listen for Grow Your Influence Tree with Leonard Kim every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Stand out, stand apart, and become a top influencer. We'll see you here next week.